Today's episode of 755 is Real is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to gotomeeting.com backslash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. My co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, here on Chipper Jones's forty eighth birthday. What's up, Eric? Nothing, man. Just uh, hanging out. You know, we've got pretty lucky up here in Seattle. We've it's only rained like once or twice since this whole um, stay at home order started. So feeling feeling good about it. How about that, that? The Jones boys, back-to-back days, birthdays. That's Pretty weird. Cool. Yeah, 43, yeah. 43 for Andrew yesterday and 48 for Chipper here on uh, Friday. Damn, Chipper's 48. I know. A lot of makes a lot of people in Braves country feel old when they hear Chipper. The kid. The kid is 48. I know. <laughs> uh, let's uh, – hey, listen, before we – speaking of Chipper and Andrew, before we discuss the results of uh, the Braves fan survey that – I did. We did at the Athletic last week. There was I, I did something on the results on Wednesday, kind of s- summarized all of them, uh, and there was some pretty enlightening stuff, and some maybe some surprising stuff, and a lot that wasn't. But before we get to that, let's talk about the one big thing that happened, or the biggest thing that happened in baseball this news this week, which was the somewhat anticlimactic announcement of the relatively light penalties for the Red Sox following their MLB investigation into sign stealing, alleged sign stealing, or sign decoding, uh, I guess is the more accurate term in their case, during which they uh, which took place during the 2018 regular season, but supposedly not during the uh, postseason when they won the World Series. Uh, the MLB suspended the replay coordinator, the Red Sox replay coordinator, JT Watkins, and for a year, they sh- and they stripped the team of its second-round pick and former manager Alex Cora was suspended through the 2020 playoffs, but only for his involvement in the Astros sign-stealing scandal because <laughs> he was the bench coach with the Astros in 17 uh, before taking over as Red Sox manager in 18. Uh, I guess MLB decided they didn't have evidence that he knew about this thing with Boston, so they really didn't uh, they didn't ding him for that. So anyway, what's your thoughts on it? And... Were you at all surprised by the relatively lax penalties? Not really. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a weaselly way to do it. But mm-hmm. what they did, because my understanding is that they basically just sped up the process of of stealing signs at second base. And mm-hmm. it's something that you could do um, just with a live feed in the clubhouse. And it, it probably has been going on. And, and, you know, different teams have done it throughout the years where, you know, a guy gets on second base and first inning against a starter like that and they're using third sign or some kind of first sign indicator you know by the third or fourth inning um there's been enough guys on second base they know what you're using you have to switch your signs up it seems like they just accelerated you know the the process a little bit by using um using using the replay room and stuff like that but for me it's not really you know it's 
it's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as um, the Astros thing. That's for sure. So explain to the average, uh, to the layman out there and to myself, the difference between decoding, decoding sign sequences and stealing signs. Well, basic the, difference. One of them was a live, live act. Yeah, you know, it was time. Yeah. You were cutting out the middleman. Uh, you didn't have to uh-huh. get a guy in Houston. You didn't have to get a guy on second base. They could do it with nobody right. on, which right. makes you a thousand times more susceptible because you're not always even going to give multiple signs with nobody right. on base. And I think, you know, once you get a hunch that a team's cheating, you're going to switch um, to multiple signs or, or, or you know, kind of mix it up. And you saw a lot of teams kind of get paranoid over the years and use multiple signs um, with nobody on anyway, just because of the amount of cameras. But what Houston was doing was relaying the pitch mm-hmm. as it happened from mm-hmm. um, from a live camera uh, in the in the video room uh, and down, and they put a video room down the dugout to to make it even easier. Um, but what Boston's doing is something that's been going on in baseball for since it started, right? Um, where basically a guy gets on second base, he can see the signs. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you're in the clear because the guy just gets there. He's going to see four or five pitches and something happens. He goes to the next base, the inning's over, uh, and you're fine. They don't really have time to decode it. So all Boston did was just basically always have a runner on second base, you know, looking. And then when a real runner got on second base, he had the signs. He knew the sequence. And it it obviously helped him. You know, that's why there was some penalty. But it's something that what Boston did, something you could have done just watching a live feed on TV. Yeah. So what they did is a lot closer to the kind of gamesmanships that yeah. that's acceptable to most players, whereas uh, Houston was outright cheating. They were crossing the line and cheating. Yeah, and if you notice, there wasn't a lot of players coming out yesterday. Like, yeah. you know, this is this is trash. There's they deserve a bigger penalty. You know, the outrage that that poured out when Houston got caught um, yeah. from from players on social media in the papers, the stuff guys were saying. You can tell that you know. Yeah. In general, baseball players really aren't that upset about the Red Sox and what they were doing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's kind of a weaselly way to do it. And it's it's definitely um, it's definitely something you should get punished for. But it's not nearly it's not even close to what Houston did in my mind. I, yeah. I wouldn't even be that upset. I'd be like, shit, you know, we should have mixed up the signs. Yeah. Are you buying that uh, apparently they either, either they didn't believe Cora took part or there was not enough evidence to say that? He, are you buying that he didn't know what was going on in Boston? I'm buying that the Red Sox <laughs> players kept their mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. no chance he he did this whole operation in right. uh, Houston and had no you know no idea this was going on here, but. I'm sure he knew, but I don't think you know. Again, it's it's something that that really wouldn't upset. Even if yeah, it had happened yeah. to me in the playoffs and we lost to them, I would have been, you know, almost, I'd almost tip my cap to that. Like, you know, that's, that falls on us for not having, um, you know, complicated enough signs. And unless you find out they were using those al- algorithms and stuff that, that crack it immediately and getting it to this guy in second and like a pitch or two. Um, but either way, you know, you just, there's, there's sequences you can use that are kind of a live feed and really hard to crack. Um mm-hmm. You know, and the pitcher can can do like swipes and kind of change. You know, if the if the catcher calls a slider, you can swipe your jersey and go down a signal, which could uh-huh. be two numbers. If you don't throw a curveball, you could go from three to one. So I don't know if a computer could really hack that or or figure that out. Um, you know, you can use some pretty complicated stuff to fight that. Uh, it's more just laziness and and maybe being unaware that they'd use that that um, complex of a system to crack it, but. Mm-hmm. 
Really, it's it's nothing, man, compared to and and that's why everyone's you know if it wasn't the Red Sox, if it was the Devil, if it was a race, you know, getting getting punished for it, nobody really cared. But if it's the Red Sox, it's yeah. a bigger deal. But yeah, I, you'd see way more players up in arms about this if it was uh, if it was really that bad. And so they lose a second round pick, which in this draft, uh, which is worth about five million estimate, is what a second round pick is worth. Um, and Cora is suspended through the 20, just through the 2020 playoffs. Well, he had stepped down in January in the fallout from the Houston when the shit hit the fan in Houston. They didn't want him to be a distraction in Boston. I think it was a mutually agreed <laughs> upon thing. I'll step down. Uh, well, there's no, now that he's suspended for 2020 and they're saying, you know, not officially they didn't know about it or whatever. I don't think there's anything to stop the Red Sox from bringing him back in 2021 if they want to. Ron Renneke, they removed the interim label from his managerial title with Boston right now. But, uh, I mean, provided the Red Sox don't go out and if there is a season this year, win the World Series or whatever, or, or you know, at least make, or, you know, win the pennant, I could see them pushing him aside again and bringing uh, Cora back because he was, they loved him there. Yeah. If they, but it seems like they removed that interim title right when this happened, right? right Where it, right. as soon as you could speculate that maybe Cora could come back because the penalties, you know, not that harsh. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think you'd want to move on from it. Just back to back scandals with a guy. I don't know if you really. I'm sure they want him back, but I don't know if they want to deal with the, you know, the the backlash of having him or mm-hmm. having to wonder like, hey, Alex, what are you up to now, man? Are we are we good? Or are we going to have you know some more problems and yeah, you know, trying to get get that angle and that edge again. Um, yeah, but I could. I mean, I'm sure the players loved him and, and want to play for him again. You know, you never know. But I, for me, when they remove that interim title, it's kind of saying like we're moving on. All right. Well, even if you uh, if MLB didn't conclude they they did anything grievous, and like you just explained, it's very different than what the Astros did. Uh, the mere fact that they used technology video at all after after they had gone the, they were the team that went astray a year earlier in the Apple Watch controversy. Yeah. So it seemed a little surprising to me that they that MLB didn't come down a little harder, especially given that that background, and then how they just took the hammer to the Astros. Uh, and don't even not to even mention what you know the Braves years before that totally unrelated, but how hard they came down on the Braves. So it makes uh, you know Boston. A lot of people think they kind of get you know as one of the favored uh, franchises and all that. That uh, uh, MLB doesn't want to have them look too bad askew anyway. So I don't know. Just kind of I, I was a little surprised it didn't come down a little harder given in, 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 in so soon after the Astros thing. Yeah, but well, it, I was surprised too, just just because of what you're saying. You know, it it kind of, yeah, it look it seems like you'd be in line for a lot steeper punishment. But yeah, like I said, for me, it's not even something that would bother me. You know, right. stealing sequences is is one thing, but live pitches, um, as you know, telling the hitter from the dugout what's coming with a with a with a live feed on the signs is I mean that's yeah. a whole nother level and that's that's kind of where guys draw the line you've had your you've we've all had our signs stolen from second before and mm-hmm. and relaying that and just helping the guy out you know it's shady and and it's it's definitely crossing the line you're using technology there needs to be some kind of punishment but it, you know it, like I said it's just not it doesn't yeah. get me fired up at all it's whatever you know when, when I hear that this investigation lasted more than three months included 65 witnesses and thousands and thousands of emails, texts, and video analysis. <laughs> but it sure didn't yield much. The, the Astros must be thinking, what the, you know, 
But of course, well, no one cares what the Astros are thinking. No. They're, they're now America's most hated baseball team. Yeah, yeah they don't get to weigh in on much anymore. <laughs> that like doesn't gotta, figure to change anytime soon. So you got to lay low and keep your mouth shut after that whole scandal. But you know, the only thing that makes you wonder is is like you know you said they didn't give the players immunity. If that would be the only way, that. if that would be the only way, if everybody kept their mouth shut and they just couldn't prove anything, there's a chance that they were doing the same thing they were doing in Houston. And just couldn't catch him. You know, I, I've thought about that where. I um, got to make sure I, I, before I speak on that. But uh, yeah, I, I, well, I don't know. I mean, e- I don't think way. they were ever accused of that either, though. You know, banging on trash and all that stuff. Like you said, all along, it was about you. had We had talked about this before, you know, a while back. You had talked about how what they were doing was more decoding. Yeah, but teams have been given signs. I mean, I heard it when we were playing the Phillies when I was there. There was always rumors, um, you know, that seven and eight, they had some kind of system. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've heard of systems all the way back to the White Sox, um, mm-hmm. you know, 30, 20 years ago, doing something with the scoreboard. Well, La um, so, was there. And the only reason you caught on, well, the trash can thing was so obvious, you know, guy pitchers were hearing it mm-hmm. while it was happening. But a lot of these things, yeah, when La Russa was there, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of these things, man, if, if nobody talks and you can't prove it, um, you're out of luck. And and it could yeah. be one of those things where they did have a really advanced system and it took this long and they tried to scare them and everybody just kept their mouth shut, you know? Yeah. All right. Shifting gears. Uh, survey. We had uh, – I did a survey I put out about uh, 15 questions or so uh, last – a week and a half ago. Left it out there for about five or six days. And we got over like 1,400 respondents from our subscribers. So uh, it was pretty, I think it's a pretty good representative sample of the Braves fandom. And I don't know, like I said, some of the results were a little surprising. Some of them were, were pleasantly surprising uh, uh, in, in that, you know, you, you, if you just rely strictly on social media like Twitter, oh, I mean, man. it's such a negative forum that you think everybody's just pissed all the time. And that's really not the case. And it's kind of nice to see, you know, a different representative sample of fans. It's like a giant complaint box. <laughs> it is. You know. And the anonymity, the cloak of anonymity will let people just will say anything and, it, and they don't get any attention by being real positive on there. I, I feel like everybody should have to be a verified human before you can uh, make any, that should be the, the, the yeah. rule for the world. You know, any kind of social yeah. media, you should have to have your social security number tied into it and <laughs> actually identify yourself and everybody knows who you are. That'd help a lot. It would certainly stop people from saying about 50% of the shit they say on Twitter. Yeah. Because somebody come over to their house and kick their ass, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Be nice. I I think that'd be fun. So here's where we are. I I took out most, uh, I've got most of the questions here that were asked, the the ones that were, I think, most interesting or telling or whatever. And we'll just run through them real quick, and I'll get your 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 reaction if you were surprised by what the fans' reaction was and, and your own reaction. Before the season was po- postponed, what was your excitement level about the Braves in 2020? And nearly 94 percent of the of the 1,400 people that responded said that they were excited, and that was either they gave it a grade four or five. It was one through five meter on excitement level, and 94 percent were either four or five. Uh, I don't Another five percent were on Twitter, <laughs> which isn't which isn't surprising considering the Braves have won you know consecutive division titles and they're built around a, an exciting group of All Star caliber players that are either in their prime like Freddie Freeman or are so young that they're still ascending towards their prime like 
And they're already exceptional, like Acuna, Ozzy Albi, Soroka. So, but to be exact, it was 52% in the survey gave it a five and 41.5% gave it a four. Thus, it was nearly 94% who gave it a four and five in terms of excitement for the season. Uh, and nearly all the other 6% gave it a three. So it was the middle of the road. Well, you know, that's that's kind of the thing is, you know, baseball's gone a lot younger. And and the thing with young players is there's just so much unknown and so much potential in them. You know, like you're watching who's not excited to see what Acuna does this year. Yeah. Yeah, they're exciting. It, they're just the, – the young players are just so exciting. And this team's full of just young talent. And you got Freddie Freeman. You got – and there's just so much possibility. Yeah. Um, and I think – it just feels like any year is finally going to be the year. And that's the best feeling to have as a fan, you know, the, the hope of a new season and, and wondering what's going to happen. I mean, if you're not excited as a Braves fan right now, I don't know what yeah. you're doing. You know, how, how can you not be excited about this team? Yeah. I mean, they got, they have the guys that I mentioned, those four that I mentioned, and then they had, you know, their off season additions were, you know, all-star closer, Will Smith, yeah, uh, slugger and Ozuna, good catcher and Darno, former Phillies ace Hamels, I mean, you lost Josh Donaldson, but that's about it, you know, as far as uh, from last year's team. So, which that's uh, going to hurt. But you know, you look at the overall team, yeah. and anytime you can honestly look yourself in the mirror as a fan and say, "This team legitimately could win a championship," yeah, you know, and yep. you don't have to kind of stretch it or dream a little bit. It's a real possibility with this team. Every year, the last few years, they could win a World Series. So, when mm-hmm. you're looking at that, I mean, of course, you're fired up. Next question: What would it make? What would Make it a successful season for the Braves. Now, mm. they had a division rival, the Nationals, won the World Series last yeah. year as a wildcard team. Despite that, most Braves fans still have high expectations, higher than a division title in 2020, because more than 86% say that winning a third consecutive NL East title won't be enough to make the season a success. It won't. No, pre- no pressure there, huh? <laughs> no, but this won't be half, a success for them either. Nearly, Yeah, you're right. Nearly half, 48.8%. You mean the Braves, the players, yeah. The players. Nearly half, uh, 48.8, said the Braves need to win a playoff series for the first time since 2001. 37.4% said they need to win the NL pennant and get to the World yeah. Series to make it a success. That's where I draw the line. I mean, that's where I, that's what I would say. You know, I think the players are going to say it's World Series or bust. Uh-huh. Um, they feel like they have that team, and they keep losing to teams that you know, or the team in their division. I mean, it just feels like they're always so close. And and last year, you know, losing to the Cardinals, they lost yeah. to a team they were better than. Yeah. Um, should have was different last year. They did. Yeah, they, the Dodgers team. were better. You know, yeah. two years ago, but last year they were better than the Cardinals, and they just lost. Yeah. Um, but I think you know you win a division uh, multiple years in a row, and you're in the playoffs multiple years in a row. Um, it's time to it's time to yeah. do something. And if they, I think if they go to the World Series, even if they lost it, it'd be a really successful. Um, yeah, I did too. Run. I mean, that, that's kind of where that's where my hopes would be. Minimum, minimum, they have to win a playoff series. You have to win a you playoff series this year. You have to take a step year. forward because anything less than to. that is not a step forward. It's just but, it's treading water. That'll get you some threes on this survey next year for excitement level if they don't yeah. if they don't win a world uh, just a playoff series this year. Yeah, because you could argue uh, 2018 was a total surprise. Nobody picked them to win division. They win the division, so no. you overachieve that year, and then you lose to a better team, the Dodgers. So then that raises the bar. You go into last year, you're not gonna you're not gonna. Still, they weren't the pick to win the division, but fans, after seeing them win the division the previous year, they want to see them win the division again. So you do that. 
then you lose to a better team that everybody knows you, Barb thinks that you were better and you had a chance you were ahead in the series. So, yeah, and that's, know, that's tough because it's going to be hard to win this division. Yeah, I mean, you got the defending World Series champions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be a you know wild card situation. I don't count that as winning a playoff series. Uh, you know, the one one game playoff. And right. Who knows what the format's going to be? But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's you got to you know it, you always have to do that as players too. Like you got to get to the dance first. You got to get into the playoffs any way possible. Yeah. Um, but you start looking ahead and saying. Oh, this season sucks unless we win. You know, if we get to, unless we get to the World Series, it's you, you know, there's a possibility you don't even make the playoffs, even with this good of a team. Yeah, and that's when, obviously won't cut it. When your team has won 17 division titles, I counted them 17 in the last 29 years. Uh, it doesn't really matter to the fans that 14 of those 17 came in 2005 and before. Most of them want more than a division flag again. Yeah. In the yeah, I think. I mean, I think everybody. Everybody that's been following this team or part of it knows it's it's time to do something big. And it's the 25th anniversary of the world, their only World Series title. So there's a lot of, you know, going into people. There's going to be a lot of looking back at that World Series, and it's going to be kind of that reminder there that's constant. Like right now, when when uh, the networks are looking to fill time, they're showing the Braves in the World Series. You know, they showed Maddox's game today against the Yankees, the one that great game he pitched, and people are just reminding everything of the glory years, and they're going, "Okay, it's time to get back there." So that, that we don't want to yeah. just win a division title and lose again in the first round. Let's go. Well, you know, it it works in your favor as a player the more you do it too because. Like, like, you know, if you if you won that division in 18, it's just you feel like yeah. you're playing house money. We're not supposed to be here. You know, this is so much fun. Hey, let's get a look at the playoffs and you get your ass kicked and go home yeah. and you want to do it again. Uh, after what they did last year and, and how that series played out, um, there's there's nobody that was on that roster for the playoffs last year. That's that's looking at it like, hey, you know, let's just get back to the playoffs or let's just try to win a series. They're, they're thinking, let's go all the way. You know, once you taste it. Um, you just want more. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. I had a terrible experience. Who would have thought a quick trip for a tux fitting the day after the 4th of July would be such a struggle? What should have been a 15-minute max meeting turned into an hour ordeal with a good half-hour wait time just to get paperwork started. Why am I doing paperwork at a tux shop? Clearly, this place was under understaffed for a study afternoon, uh, for a Saturday afternoon. Holiday weekend or not, I'm pissed off and I'm not coming back. Uh, Oh, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, you don't have that problem at the Black Tux. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check in one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, 
you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off your with the code BRAVES. That's theblacktux.com, code BRAVES for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. What were the what were you look, most looking forward to from the 2020 Braves? That was the next question. Among the five options that I gave, nearly half, 47.4% of all the respondents said they were most looking forward to seeing whether Soroka and Freed would be enough at the top of the rotation or if the Braves will need to make a midseason trade to add a frontline starter. Surprised me a little bit because one of the other options, the second most option, uh, uh, most respondents was Acuna was a near unanimous <laughs> yeah. choice for rookie of the year in 18. Last year became an all-star, put on the show in the home run derby, finished sixth in MVP validating, came within three steals of being a 40-40, being in the 40-40 club. But 32% of the respondents said watching his continued development is what they were most looking forward to. So, but, you know, that goes back again. People are going to be, you know, it's not just looking at seeing the positive in Acuna, but seeing whether the Braves – messed up by not uh, adding a starter and whether they're going to have to need to uh, anxiously wondering whether they need to trade for a starter. That kind of goes, you know, people think about in those terms anyway, you know, they're looking forward to, so they, it's just how you look at it, I guess, how you parse it, the question. Yeah. I guess just different mindsets. You know, if you're looking at it from like a pure st- uh, fan standpoint yeah. or, you know, trying to run a team from your couch or right, trying to right, right, you know exactly. think along and it's, I guess just more fan interest. But for me, man, it's, it, you asked that question, Acuna pops into my head immediately because Me too. Me too. he's just such a special talent. You know, guys like that, I can't wait to see what they turn into and what they do. And you feel like he's been in the league for a while because he's so important to the team. But it's mm-hmm. you know, it's his third season. It's anything could happen. I mean, he could hit. He could hit. He could do something crazy like hit 50, 55 homers, or he could fall on his face and have a really tough year. Either way, it's it's really fun to watch it play out with talent like that. Yeah, it sucks that they're not going to play a full season, regardless yeah. of if you know if they play at all. They're not going to play a full season, so you're not going to really be able to measure. That's true. That's true. Because nobody in their head is going to prorate. You know, it would have to be unless it's like exactly a half season. You know what I mean? It's too hard in your head to prorate. Like if you play a hundred games, okay, what would that have been in 162? You and can't because of slumps and things like that. Right. If you but play you can hit 400, to, right? But <laughs> somebody if you can play, hit 400 this year. Yep. Yep. That's true. And if he had 81 games, for instance, and he and he hit 20 homers and stole 20 bases, it's easy for people in their heads to go, okay, he, he's on pace again. 40, yeah, but anyway. That'd be a waste, too. Yeah. It, it, whatever it is, you know, you feel like you're wasting one of his prime years um, from a fan standpoint of just enjoying watching him play. It, it's it, Those numbers really – Numbers always really hammer down the point that that kind of confirm like that's I'm seeing what I think I'm yeah. seeing when a guy you look at a guy and he hit 45 homers it's like yeah that's that's who I was watching this year so it'll be it'll definitely be tough to gauge yeah. you know how well he plays but even well, even when you watch him go down to a knee and hit a ball 450 to right yeah, center uh-huh. field it's like I mean that's just a treat every time anytime he does something like that you know and, and it could happen any game. Well, he you know finished the sixth sixth in the uh, MVP validating last year in the pre and in the uh, preseason odds, I've seen him ranked as high as first as the MVP favorite, but I've seen him two or three with everybody's top three. So I mean the expectations are enormous now, and this could have been the year 
in a full yeah. season that really takes that next step. I mean, that logical next step is to win the MVP or you know be in the race till the end. <laughs> He's going to do it. He's going to, well, he's going to yeah. do something. You know, every year he's going to do something. But I mean, he came into camp talking 50 50, and I didn't doubt him. I'll, I'll go out on a limb here, and I don't think it's really going out on a limb, but I think he will win two MVPs in his career. By that. Yeah. Multiple MVPs in his career. Uh, those two areas, those two choices there accounted for nearly 80% of what the fans were most looking forward to. This Then there was a significant drop to the third choice, which was whether outfield prospects, Christian Pache, and or Drew Waters would get called up and make an impact. So uh, third question, or the fourth, whatever it was. what Who do you think should be the primary third baseman in 2020? Seven and ten respondents favored Austin Riley over Johan Camargo. I guess that wasn't really a surprise because people love that big power potential. And when they yeah. get when they see the reports and then the game that was on TV, or kept some of the games on TV, they see his swing looking so good in spring training. And they see the reports that we had from down there. Uh, you know, and he hit a couple of balls that were off the scoreboard. He hit one off down there. So people get excited about that. They saw how good he was when he came up last year. And as much as they like Johan Camargo and the way he plays the game and all that, when you got a chance to have a 30, 35 home run guy added to the lineup, you know, and replacing Josh, I can see that seven and 10 going with Austin. Yeah. He's probably the only guy that could replace JD's, um, you know, presence in the lineup as yeah. a, as a power threat to put behind Freddie. So mm-hmm. you really need him to be that guy. Um, it, it depends, you know, I mean, it, it depends how, which guy shows up, you know, yeah, if, obviously. If, if he's the guy he was in the first half last year, then hands down, you know, no, no doubt he should be the guy. But um, I think Camargo's versatility kind of hurts him in a sense where you feel like you could plug him on the bench and, and exactly. fill him in different, different. You can't put Riley at second can't base or shortstop and get him a B. So he's got to kind of be a starting third baseman or uh, throw yeah. him out in left field. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm split, man. I'm 50, 50. I have, I don't have a preference. Uh, it, Spring training needed to play out to find out who who earned it, but they were it's a toss up for me. They were our, they were the two best position players at spring training. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm with I'm with you though. I think uh, if there was a if there was another opening where you could see Riley getting you know 50 starts, saying left field, then I'd be yep. fine with Johan at third. But there's not. There's not. He got five outfielders. Yeah, so, and there's not any outfield time available for Riley or very little. So. I can see where fans would look at it as you could still keep Camargo in the lineup four or five times a week as a super utility guy, which was the plan last year before he kind of struggled out of the box and then play Riley at third. So, and then occasionally start Camargo at third too. So, but anyway, this, this is the stuff though, Dave, that you see with guys that can just, they struggle to, you know, they're blocked at a position or, yeah. or he, ha- you know, any other, there's, there's probably 20 other franchises that, that Camargo could be with and he'd have sure. a starting role. Um, and it's, it's sometimes these guys just get, put in a tough position where they just can't quite get their career going. Um, yeah. And you see it a lot, you know, with, with certain guys, you, you, you hear about their career and, and they wind up being a bench player or something like that. And they could have been an everyday guy. If Camargo was with the Marlins right now. He'd have, he would have gotten hundreds, 160 games last year too, no you doubt. Know, regardless of how he was doing. But, you know, I feel for him a little bit cause he's in a tough spot, but I'd guess that, you know, just, just looking at it, I'm pretty sure Riley's going to get that job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, based just based on spring training, which you can't do, obviously, we know that. But uh, with as much as Marcelo Zuna struggled down there and the way Riley hit, 
if they were to do that coming out of the box for the first month of the season, like you just said, Riley hitting behind Freddie, I could see Riley hitting behind Freddie if he came out. If he came out hitting like he did at spring training, and Azuna kept struggling like he did, he's yeah. the next choice for me to put behind Freddie is Riley. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, Azuna could be that guy too. Um, Marcakis at this point is not the guy you put back there. Uh, you could do Travis Darno, but it's a catcher behind no. him. So yeah, I would have. Uh, yeah, you could definitely see it. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of selling Azuna short, um, you know, coming off a bad year and whatnot. But it, you got to have good at spring training. Yeah, yeah. But that's just spring training still. Yeah, after a tough year last year too. Yeah, yeah, not a, not a very good the two years in St. Louis were paled next to his year in my with in Miami. So what was the outlier? Miami, probably. We'll see. Because, you know, before that, he wasn't that guy either. He had one year like that, and that was the one in 17 in Miami. So then we got into some interesting stuff, the confidence meter questions. What was your confidence level in GM Alex Anthopoulos? Now, given that the team won back-to-back division titles since he arrived, and he came in with low expectations, because remember, he got hired when when, uh, Copy got fired or forced to resign and then banned for life. They bring in, they bring in Alex Anthopoulos, and people are going, "Oh man, the Braves are screwed for a while. This is going to take a while to clean up this mess." So what do they do? They go out and win the division title in eighteen after losing ninety or more in each of the previous three years. So right then, he gained a lot of confidence in the fans, and then they win it again last year, win ninety-seven games, and you know, is it Anthopoulos' fault they that they they coughed up that that lead in no. the playoff series? No, it's nobody's fault. It's baseball. And he's made he's made a lot of good moves. Has he? Is it frustrating to see him kind of not pull the trigger sometimes? I can see where fans would do that, but they got to understand he's given a budget. He's got to operate within that, and I think that they probably should and do uh, feel good about the fact he hasn't traded away all their top young talent trying to be, make a quick fix here and there and go for it. So he's a little more responsible in that than you would be or I would be. <laughs> oh, I would have. Yeah. I, I would already burn the franchise down. I mean, as soon as I tasted it, I would have, I would have given up Soroka. <laughs> uh, that's why I'll never be a could yeah. year before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me six months of Josh. <laughs> Anybody give me six months of somebody. Well, you can have him if we have a shot at this world series. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it was, uh, I think yeah. you got to be pretty damn confident in the GM at this point. He he really has shown a lot of restraint. And that's probably the number one um, strength that I've seen out of him is just to not yeah. do dumb stuff and get emotional. Um, that a lot of GMs do. A lot of GMs get to that trade deadline yeah. and you make these trades that that fans are talking about for decades. When I was with Seattle, we, we thought we had the Division One one year when we got Eric Bedard and we traded Adam Jones. We traded um, – <laughs> George Sherrill and, and three or four other prospects for Eric Bedard. Oh, Eric Bedard showed up to Seattle and was just not the same guy. Yeah. And he wasn't really – I don't think he was happy to be there either, so that didn't help. But, um, you know, you see GMs do that, and it sets a franchise back, you know, two, three years or something like that. And there's been plenty of times where I've thought, all right, you know, Alex has to make a move. He's got to do this right now. And he kind of just – he makes he makes a move, but he doesn't make right. a, a really risky – uh, you know, for the future of the franchise, kind of damaging move like that. He makes kind of a savvy move. No one saw coming, and it plays out. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident in him. I, I think the uh, the piece de resistance is that the term for this was for him last year was 
making the move for the three, the moves for the three relievers at the deadline yeah. without giving up a single top prospect. I would have thought that would be impossible to do, to bring in the three relievers that he did. I can't Which, remember who we were saying he needed to go get last year at the deadline. Oh, God. Yeah. Who was it? It was a front we were saying starter. Bumgarner. Bumgarner. Yeah. 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 It was Mad Bum for a while. And then it was, uh, but it was, uh, and it wasn't even, yeah, it was Mad Bum from the Giants. And he goes out and get a guy that nobody was talking about going out and get. They didn't even know if Will Smith was going to be traded, but it wasn't going to be to the Braves. It was the other guy. The Braves might have, were talking about getting, you know, or we thought they were. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple other relievers, guy in Toronto, you know, that you didn't like. So, and obviously they didn't. Uh, but yeah, there were some other guys. But the, 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 all the ones they got were surprises. Yeah. The only one that wasn't was uh, Shane Green. <laughs> that was the yeah. only one that anybody really linked the Braves to. But so on a, on a one to five scale, the fans gave him 90, more than 90% of the fans gave him a four or five. That's so, pretty rare, isn't it? That is. That, that is really rare for any sports general manager today. So he ought to enjoy this while he can because it won't last. Um, but he's like sitting in a in the catbird seat as far as being a general manager and having that much support from your fan base. You know? Yeah. Uh, and again, there's no reason so far not to not to uh, with the moves that he's made. But um, no, he's been. Uh, there's not been a lot to pick at. We didn't even we didn't even mention the. Acuna and Albies contracts that he signs last year, start of the season. <laughs> yeah, I that forgot that. Deals that to keep the best friends together in Atlanta for nearly a decade at way, way under market value. Yeah, even if he blows up this franchise or, or ruins some, a few things, he's still going to be able to get drinks, free drinks in yeah. Atlanta for those contracts in five or six years if he oh wants to come through God. town. No kidding, man. Especially it's, Albies. Yeah, I mean, it could just be, well, we've talked about this, but they could be. There could be a year where they where they're two of the top five in the MVP MVP voting and making about what half to, of what Soto's to, making. Yeah, making about fifteen million between them as veterans. Soto could win it, and they could be the two, or so they could both be ahead of Soto making, you know, of like fifteen million total, and he's making thirty. Yeah. Oh, easily. Um, oh, and by the way, at the beginning of the spring training this year, Anthopoulos signed a contract extension that runs through 2024 and also added the title of president of baseball ops. So, yeah, he's in a pretty good, pretty secure spot. He's good. Uh, right. Next question was, how about your confidence level in manager Brian Sinitker? It's got to be going up. this was pleasantly surprising for me in that new players love Snitker, obviously. We love him because he's easy to deal with. Uh but, you know, if you just go on Twitter again, you would think this guy – well, then you would have thought on if, if Twitter were, was managing uh, – uh, was making these decisions, Bobby Cox would have been fired, uh, you know, during, during his run. So, But <laughs> plenty of fans obviously believe he's more than just a friendly fella with uh, Snicker because more than 77% gave him a 4 or a 5 on the confidence meter and less than 6% gave him a below 3. Hmm. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. You know, it's it's with managers though in any well any sport, you know, co- head coach, managers, it's it's so easy to cr- criticize moves after the fact, but there's always so much more going on and and you know, you watch a, a bullpen move backfire or not play out and it's just, you like know, Freddie with Kimbrel. Yeah, things just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one was that was a tough one. Gertulis. Um, yeah. Uh, just 
But you see that stuff play out, and obviously the manager gets crushed every time it doesn't. But nobody logs on to give him five stars when he makes a brilliant yeah. move. You know, it's, it, so that's what's tough about you know online feedback is people generally, when they're happy and content, don't feel the need to log into an account and mm-hmm. write a review. It's it's normally just you know when they're pissed off and disappointed. And man, it's there's so many guessing games and tough moves to make with a bullpen and managing and everything. But um, I think he does. I think he does just fine with all that. But you know his his strength is is managing that clubhouse, and if you ha- if you aren't impressed with how this team plays for him and and how they have this his back by now, you're not going to be convinced really yeah. ever. But um, that's for me where he gets five stars of confidence. Yeah, and I and I think while you you know some people on uh, if they're reading this later and they might come on you know Twitter or hear about this and, and think that we're you know. Uh, poo-pooing or dismissing the reactions on Twitter. And I'm not, but I'm saying, I think this may be a more representative sample. And if you, and if you, and, and here's why, because I think when people put their names on things, which they do on this survey, that when they, when they would comment on that, they, they pay as subscribers to the athletic, they put their names on comments. I think when your name is on a comment, even if it's just, you know, Chris T or whatever, and, and you, subscribe to be there. You pay us, even if it's a small fee, you pay to be there. I think it's a lot easier uh, to make <laughs> measured responses than it is to go on Twitter for free, jump on there and go, Oh, he sucks. And type it in under, you know, uh, whatever your beer slammer is. 69 logs yeah. in and wants, to, <laughs> he wants yeah. to rip on snip for a minute. You know, that guy's not too credible. <laughs> so there you well said there. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, uh, so and also Snit was retained at the end of the 17th season. Why when, when they brought him in, uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Gonzalez was fired in May 2016. The consensus was that Snit is this Braves lifer who will be a solid fill in the rest of the season. And then the Braves can shuffle him off back to AAA, and he won't say a word, and he'll be glad to have gotten the experience and be able to put that on his resume and retire happy. You know, uh, but that. That, but after the front office saw how the pl- players responded to him that year and how the veterans and young players alike loved and respected this guy, wanted to play for him, they retained him at the end of that season. Then, at the that took the interim office thing and uh, is titled. Then at the end of 17, which wasn't a great year for him, at the end of the year, they're under investigation. A uh, copy gets forced to resign the day after the season ends. And... Th- Snit basically kept his job that year because they wanted some continuity. At the time, there was this turmoil, and they thought the Braves thought, you know, because he probably would have been replaced by John Hart and the and the people that were still around after Copy was forced out. But they wanted some continuity so that there wasn't just total upheaval in the front office as well as managers. So that's how he kept the job then, and then he kept it by 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 his team performing in eighteen and getting the extensions. So. That's why he's here now, the way they've performed since then. So he got a reprieve in 17, and he took advantage of that. And two extensions later, both Snit and his coaches are all signed through the 2021 season, which is also unusual, uh, and which they have to be feeling good about right now, especially given the, you know, if they were under the normal one-year deals that the coaches were for so long here in a, in a lot of places, they'd, they'd probably be wondering what's go- what happens at the end of this year, or what if it's only an 80-game season, or what if there's no season? What happens to us next year? They don't have to worry about that now. No, and that's that's really that matters. That, that makes a difference. It takes a lot of pressure off. Um, and you know, I I was there when he took over, um, and I remember, I you know, I didn't I didn't know how it was going to go, but we weren't playing well. 
You know, I can't remember how bad a record was, but yeah, it was terrible. He, you know, Nine I don't twenty eight or something. Yeah, I don't think many guys on the on the team felt like, hey, we got a shot at the playoffs here. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, we it was still early enough where it could happen. But then I started watching Snip manage, and he was making moves to win games. And and, and you know, I'm not, you never throw in the towel on a season, but it was you know six inning, we're double barreled in the bullpen. And we're matching up for guys like like we're in contention. And I just remember feeling that and being like, damn, he wants to win. I, I went and talked to him after the game. And he was like, hey, I'm trying to – I want to keep this job. You know, I've been waiting my whole life to manage. And, and when he did that and when he showed that attitude of I'm not an interim manager, like this is my one shot. You know, his approach to it was totally different than, you know, the outside narrative of, oh, he'll just be done after this year. He's just uh-huh. he's just riding this thing out for us and kind of holding our hand till you know, ready to compete again right. or something like that. He said, no, I'm trying to win every single possible game I can. Um, this is my record. This is my first chance to manage. I want to make an impact. And um, I just, I really admired that about him because it would have been really easy for him to just babysit for, for mm-hmm. five months and then, you know, go back and be an organizational guy. But that's not who he is. And we've, I found out a lot about him, you know, watching him manage. The next conf- next question <laughs> How would you rate your confidence in Braves ownership, Liberty Media? And again, the results were not a surprise. And in this one, the audience for the Athletic was a lot like the audience for the for on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, and they don't like Liberty Media, or I should say, they don't have much confidence. They don't they don't like or dislike them most people because they have no idea who they are, and that's yeah. part of the problem. They can't put a face on it. People want to see a human face. Uh, they want to see an owner sitting behind. They got used to Ted Turner being back there. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, renegade Maverick Ted, love him, uh, you know, with his hat, a Braves hat, sitting back there in a shirt unbuttoned, you know, sitting back there with Jane Fonda behind the behind home plate and, uh, you know, doing the tomahawk chop. People got used to that. And and they knew that this guy wanted to win as bad as they were. They showed it, it showed his face, you know, and make, smiling or being disappointed or uh, you know, and then so now you have the ultimate opposite of that, which is uh, you know, corporate ownership. And even though Liberty does have a guy there at several games a year, home games, quite a few actually, nobody knows who he is. So they don't even they're not even aware when he's sitting down there with Terry McGurk. They do know Terry McGurk is the CEO, and Terry is basically voice of ownership here. He's the liaison between the team and ownership. He makes all the decisions, really. Ownership just has the money and, you know, but, but Terry decides the budget and all that. Um, but Brace fans just don't have any confidence in Liberty Media. And I think it's a little unfair because it's a corporate thing. If there was a, if there was an individual owner from Colorado, he'd still have only came to five games a year. I don't think they'd be quite as harsh on him if they could see a guy back there and show, and he just sat back right. there. And, yeah, and it's back. a lot easier to vote a one for you yeah. know business versus yes. an actual human. Yeah, it it does seem pretty emotionless, you know the the ownership standpoint of it. But yeah, I mean you see Terry McGurk all the time, and yeah. the one thing I I don't know when you did this survey, but the one thing you got to give them credit for is what they're doing with the Braves employees. Yes. Um, that, that's not something they had to do, but that, that was a good, you know, that was kind of a human element there that, that they showed, but I get it. You know, you, you, there's been plenty of times where if a little more money would make the team right. maybe a lot better and, and it just right. hasn't been there, but you know, I don't know anything about running a business. It'd be easy for me to sit here and criticize it. I just, I don't know. You know, I got somebody manages my own money. Yeah. So what am I going to say? Yeah. And a lot of it, the problem too, was just how the acquisition, uh, the initial acquisition of the team occurred too, yeah. because it was a stock, 
yeah. trans, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a stock uh, move to acquire, the, you know, they, they Liberty got them not because they wanted the Braves, but the, because they wanted to avoid paying taxes. So they did a stock shift. So right there, it's kind of a, you know, people have a bad taste in their mouth right away going, this is our team. This is a team that I'd live and die with. And you're, you're buying them and you don't really even care about them. You're getting them because it's a business move and you didn't want to pay taxes on, you know, this. Yeah. That, that doesn't so, feel good from a fan standpoint. Right. Probably and, not getting Machado at the deadline when yeah. <laughs> somebody gets the team in a stock deal. And then you went through that rebuild. So that was yeah. a bad taste in the mouth. So I think if people would just were able to, to, to judge on what they've done in the last two years, it'd be totally different. Yeah. They did boost yeah. the payroll quite a bit. And then this offseason, they boosted it again. It's up around 150 million. So, and that's close to where it should be, in my view. I've said that should be there in the last three years. It should have been there, but they've gotten it there now, pretty much middle of the market as far as what they are revenue wise. Um, but you know, and then they see them build the battery and how they they said they couldn't raise payroll why because they had so much debt on the battery, and people think they're just a real estate. They're concerned more about real estate. So there's all these reasons why. Um, but again, I think that would be tempered a little bit if they just had a single owner, yeah, even if he was sure. from Liberty and he was sitting behind the plate and everybody knew who he was and he was back there exclaim, you know, absolutely cheering, make a difference. And, you know, so, but anyway, fan confidence low for the Liberty media, 47% of fans gave the ownership group one of the two lowest grades and less than 14% awarded it an above average confidence rating. So, um, the next one, interesting. Who do you now consider the Braves face of the franchise? So I put it's like five choices, but three of them were the ones I knew people would, I had strong feeling people would want were Freddie Freeman, Acuna, Freddie and Acuna. And I kind of thought it would be Freddie and Acuna just because, you know, you have a lot of the really younger people, younger crowd really is energized by Acuna. So they might think he's already been around long enough to be the face of the franchise. So I was a little surprised. Uh, Acuna might be the Mike Trout of the NL before much longer. But Braves made, fans made it clear that Freeman, after a decade as their most consistent performer, is still either the face of the franchise or splits the title with Acuna. There was 13% only, in my opinion, said Acuna is the face of the franchise. 40.5% said he and Freddie share that distinction. 40, 46% said Freddie alone still is the face of the franchise. That's how, I, that's how I look at it. I think you kind of gave them an out, letting them share it. You know, yeah. you gave the the voters an out yeah. on that. But um, you know, f- f- what Freddie's done, it it's going to take Acuna a while to amount right. to that. Right. He, he could, and, and it's not very likely, but he could fall off. You know, you guys, guys have two good years, three good years. When you're talking about a guy like Freddie that's had ten good years um, mm-hmm. and was here through the rebuild and everything like that, you know, he's. He's the face of the franchise, and and that torch will be passed at some point. But we're not there yet. It's a little like it's a little like if I ask this question, uh, Jay Hayes' rookie year, he was yeah. a sensation, but it was still Chipper's team. Yeah. Or better, a better, better comparison would have been like Brian McCann. He wins, he makes the All Star team like his first three years. He ended up doing his first six years. But, I mean, he was hitting for a huge average, you know, MVP votes. It had been like if I had asked three years into Brian McCann's career, who's the face of the franchise, McCann or Chipper? Chipper. <laughs> it's still Chippers, right. Yeah. And you might have said it might become Brian McCann's or, you know, Freddie Freeman at the start of his contract or his start of his tenure with the Braves. Three years into his career, 
who was it been? Chippers or, or Freddy's? It was Chippers. So it's kind of like where we are with Acuna, even though I know Acuna is maybe taking that bar even higher than Freddy and Brian McCann did at the start of their careers in that Acuna already is sixth in MVP validating. But Chippers' first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, near unanimous. So uh, and Yeah, and Freddy's looking and, Fre- and Freddy's on Freddy's the way to the Hall of Fame. Freddy's looking pretty good, yeah. Freddie's on the way to Hall of Fame. He's, all he has to do is what he's if, – if he doesn't get any better, if he just has five more seasons like he's already had, he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, I've had this argument with some people that he, you know, some guys think he doesn't hit for enough homers or, or power yeah. sometimes, but I'm like, man, he's, he, the thing about Freddie is he impacts every single game he plays in. And, and it, people, even and if he, people know that these days too. I do. I, you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where when the games happen and you're always aware when you're the other team, you're aware of what is going, where, if Freddie's coming up and two hitters, three hitters, or if you're past him, you know, he has yeah. that big of an impact in the lineup. Uh, I think he's a lead at first base. Uh, he's a great leader. And the thing is, is it, he impacts the game. Even when he has a bad game, he's just a factor, you know, and you got to deal with him. He's, he's in the three hole. He's, he holds down that three hole. Um, it's yeah, he's, he's the face of the franchise and I really don't think he can lose that unless he has some terrible seasons or, or leaves, but it, it, I don't know if it matters what Acuna does. It's it, that longevity that Freddie's already shown here. Right. Uh, people are going to identify with that for a long time. Yeah. And what I meant was people know that these days I'm talking about with analytics and all that. It starts to show what Freddie has, value oh, yeah. has been, you know, defensively and all that. Whereas, you know, before people would have just been judging him on home runs and all that just, you know, 10 years ago the counting stats. But if you look at his last four years, this guy's hit uh, 303, 944 OPS, and averaged uh, averaged 31 homers and 95 ribbies. So if he does that for, say, five more years, and that would oh, be yeah. through his stage 35 season, or, or not even that, age 34 season, which he, so he could do that, right? If he averaged, Yeah, he could do uh, that. I think he will. And if he averaged 31 homers for, or, you know, say, say, yeah, 30 homers the next five years, that'd be, and 95 ribbies. So add another 150 homers and close to, you know, 500 ribbies. You're talking about 380 home runs, 1300 ribbies, and a guy who is at 883 OPS right now with a 293 career average and 504 slugging. So, yeah, I think with that and, you know, add another gold glove or two, he's already had one. Uh, yeah, uh, finished, you know, MVP voting fourth and eighth the last two years. And what before that, uh, he's had a couple. Yeah, I think, I think he's, uh, he's on the way, man. He's finished what MVP fifth, 23rd, sixth, fourth, and eighth. And he's you know, a couple of top fours, top, top, top more top threes, I think probably. I don't think he's, I don't think he's got a, uh, for me, he's an MVP type of player, but I don't think he's ever going to put up the, the eye popping numbers. Right. To win. Like a 50 homers or yeah. lead the league in RBIs, even though he get, he got 120 last year. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't think for, for people that don't watch him play every day, he'll ever be appreciated enough to, yeah. to win an MVP. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, the numbers he's putting up for me, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, Next question was, which of the Braves prospects are you most excited about seeing in the majors? I was slightly surprised that former first-round pick Kyle Wright, who we referred to with the with the Hall of Fame pitchers cited when I asked them about him, uh, or Georgia native Drew Waters, who has a big following here, or ginormous slugger Bryce Ball, a.k.a. Ball Bunyan, 
I was kind of surprised any of them didn't get a little bit bigger slice of the pie on the uh, pie chart we had with the percentages. But Braves fans made it clear that they're most eager to see Christian Pache, who some have called the best defensive outfielder in the entire organization, including Ender Enciarte in the last three or four years. He got 50, 58% of the fans' votes. Ian Anderson, the pitcher, pitching prospect, he got 20% after his really impressive 2019 vaulted him to the top of the pros- pitching prospect list, Braves pitching prospect list. So those those two guys, that was 78, 78 79% of the votes right there. So, But everybody wants to see Pache, man. Five-tool guy, potentially, just his tools. power. Tools yeah. get people tools, excited. Very toolsy guy. I'm I'm always excited about that too. You know, it's yeah. unless a pitcher's throwing 101 miles an hour like a cinder guard or something coming up. Yeah. Um, just a good quality pitcher's not really, you know, getting people too excited. But yeah. um anytime there's a five tool athlete, people comparing his defense to Andrew Jones and, and saying he's he's the best defender in the yeah. in the organization when you have Ender already, uh people want to see that. And and athleticism too. You know, athleticism's so sexy. It's it's something that just it's fun to watch, and it's it's something that just gets everybody fired up. And I understand that. I mean, I'm pretty excited to see him too. I haven't, I really haven't seen him play at all. He's pretty special, man. He, he glides he, in the outfield kind of like Andrew did when Andrew was young and and really yeah. and better, you know, before he got banged up and put on some weight and became a big home run hitter. He glides like Andrew did as far as covering that ground in the gaps. He's he's big time, big time defensive outfielder. Yeah, when you hear so much about a guy like this, and then you get a chance to see him move for yourself, uh, it's and do the things they're going to do. Even you know that's why Acuna is so exciting. It's not because he's you know it's this great uh, baseball mind that's so advanced yet. I mean, he's smart, but it's his athleticism, yeah. his tools, and everything he's doing that that really gets you you know on the edge of your seat every time he comes up to see what he's going to do. So you know, it's yeah. more of that sounds pretty damn good to to most people. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't lump him in with Acuna, but but no. yeah, yeah, one of those guys that you know, like Acuna, a, you can't take your eye off Acuna when no. he's on the field. Whether <laughs> no, he's but you're always hoping for more of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You add, you're at, you're hoping they can add another exciting guy to. Yeah, I mean, you already got Acuna and Ozzy Albies on the same team. Yeah. You add a third guy that's that kind of dynamo. Just freak athlete, you know. Freak yeah. athletes are fun to watch. They are, yeah. Uh, who's your favorite all-time Atlanta Braves player? The uh, only surprise here for me. Was that Hank Aaron, who's undoubtedly the greatest ever Braves player? Uh, that the only surprise to me that he wasn't, and, and he had the most momentous feat in franchise history and Atlanta sports history with the seven hundred fifteenth home run to break Babe's record. I was a little surprised he didn't draw a higher percentage, but then again, I thought I had to look at it and, and keep it in mind that he only played twelve seasons, or he played twelve seasons for the Milwaukee Braves and nine with the Atlanta Braves. And a lot of these survey respondents clearly weren't even born before his final season in right. Atlanta in 74. So I understand that. So the clear favorite on our survey, drawing more th- more votes than the next three players combined, was Chipper at 39.1%. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Murph had 13.4. Hank, 11.6. Maddox, 10.5. Then you drop down Smoltz, 8.7. Andrew, 5.1. Glavin, 2.2. How about Tom Glavin, your 300-game winner, first ballot Hall of Famer? You're in a franchise where you draw 2.2% of the vote for the all-time <laughs> franchise that's been here for, what, 45 years or something, or 55 years. Yeah, yeah well, it's just, just like players. what I was saying. You know, a good pitcher is not that exciting right. for a, a lot of people, and, and and pitchers play every fifth day. And the type of pitcher he was, too. Tom yeah, Tom he wasn't blowing people away. And, yeah, yeah, like Mad Dog. He wasn't a, Yeah. Mad Dog's a little more exciting. Smoltz was a little more exciting. 
And as far as like, you know, Hank goes, I, I think that, you know, it's always somebody you got to watch play and, yeah. and you, you just yeah. can't appreciate a player that, that you didn't sure. get to watch play on a daily basis. So it's, it's probably just, you know, it, my favorite player was Ken Griffey Jr. Cause I got to watch him play and everything growing up. You could have, he could have had, you know, a dad that hit 700 homers as a Mariner. And I would have just been like, oh, that's pretty cool. But this guy is part of my baseball, you know, the, this is what made me love the game. So Chipper yeah. was that guy for an entire generation. Yeah. That they grew up wearing his jerseys, pulling yeah. for him. Chip, uh, yeah, everything. It's no doubt that he would win that. Plus, it's not a, it's no uh, uh, slap in the face because, I mean. He doesn't every, suck. <laughs> because everybody, yeah, exactly. He's almost unanimous first ballot. And, but it's not a slap in the face for Hank because everybody knows Hank's one of the greatest, you know, five or yeah. six players of all time. And Chipper would be the first guy to tell you that Hank was a better player than Chipper. So I appreciate, I think appreciating somebody too, and being a fan of him is, is totally different. You know, yes, exactly. everybody appreciates what he did, but if you didn't get to watch him and wear his Jersey, you know, yeah. it, it's a lot harder to call yourself a huge fan of that guy. Uh, the next was who is your favorite player, Braves player of the past decade. And this goes back to what we were just talking about. Uh, Chipper, Chipper only played in the first couple of, uh, he didn't play still the whole won. decade. Tell me nope. he still won. Nope. I no. was kind of surprised. Freddie Freeman. Yeah. And again, we can't really. I guess the the, the uh, encouraging thing about this was you read the comments about Freddie on Twitter, or not Freddie? Um, yeah, Freddie on Twitter. Freddie Freeman on Twitter. After you know, immediately in the aftermath, the disappointment of the division series loss, and you're thinking, oh my God, if people already turned on him. But it's good to know. No, that was the Twitter ex- the sample from Twitter in the week, the weeks after. Uh, division series, and when it, when it was announced that he was going to have elbow surgery, not really a representative example of Brace fandom, obviously, because who's your favorite Brace player of the past decade? Freddie Freeman, 45.8%. Chipper, 15.3%. Ronald Acuna, 14.7%. Then you drop all the way down to Ozzy Albies at 3.9%. Brian McCann, 2.8%. Andrelton Simmons, 2.4%. And Martin Prado, 2.2%. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not even close. No. Well, he's a, he was a brave for the decade too, right? <laughs> you know, a, a lot of guys were kind of in and out and whatnot. Yeah. It makes it makes perfect sense that it'd be Freddie. Who's the most underrated current Braves player? Ooh. One one guy got thirty point one percent, and it drops all the way down to twelve two. You can pick who it was, right? Most underrated current Braves player. I mean, I think Freddie's underrated. Um, well, I me, know, but I know he, it's not him. Um, shit, no, I don't know who is it. Seriously? Yeah, Ozzy Albies. It's a good choice, too. Yeah, that is a good choice. That's I don't feel like choice. Ozzy's uh, – well, I guess maybe, you know, throughout baseball, maybe he's underrated. But watching him play and, and everything like that, I mean, I think he's yeah. on the map now. Yeah, Braves fans appreciate it. They watch him play every day and all that. Uh, and he made the All-Star team. But, you know, yeah. when you, if you ask if you ask uh, fans around baseball – Angels name fans, the, yeah, ask him. Yeah, to name the 50 best players or to name – if you ask people to name the the 30 best players in the National League around the around baseball, would – how many yeah. would – yeah, he wouldn't fall in it. But if you ask Brace fans, yeah, they can that would have him in there. So I understand that. That's a good choice. Then it drops down all the way to – this is underrated current. Dansby at 12-2, Nick Markakis 9-4, Camargo 8-7, Max Fried, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dansby's for, so tough, man, because I feel I like he's underperforming too. Yeah, I, I don't th- think, I don't I think feel he's like underrated. He's, 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 yeah, I don't think he's underrated because he hasn't done it yet. But for a full season, he's right. some flashes, yes. But he's, 
he's underperforming, you know, for, for what he can do. He, I, I really believe in him as a player. And I think he's going to have one of these years, he's going to have his coming out party and, and put up huge numbers um, offensively. But he's tough to say he's underrated because he hasn't quite done it yet. And he Freddie, was the first pick in the draft. Yes, number one overall. Freddie got yeah. 6.7%, by the way. So he did get some. And Luke Jackson got 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Our man got 4-4. Four, four. Luke got in there. Who's the most overrated Braves player of the past decade? Ooh. And he was at 32%. He was almost three times the next highest vote getter. You want to guess who it was? Overrated. Um, and don't put your personal. I'm not. I'm trying to think now, of somebody. Look, from a fan's perspective, from a fan's perspective, who do you think? <laughs> Shit. I know you like this guy and you still would have him on your team. Oh, so Hayward. Take- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 32%, man. How do you give Hayward 32 and BJ Upton 11 9? See, BJ that's just popped Upton only got 11 9? Come on. <laughs> I-, I was thinking BJ, but when you said that I liked him. Was, I think it's only because he was here for a couple of years, BJ. I, otherwise, he could have done more damage to the team and gotten higher <laughs> votes because to me, he's. Far and away, the most overrated. Yeah, yeah, but you know the the hype Hayward came up with. Um, I know. Yeah, he was he couldn't have lived up to it even if he was hitting thirty homers a year. Yeah, well, that's what but, he would have had to do to live up to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a lot of hype, so I guess I guess I get that. And then he hits twenty seven homers the one year too, so we saw yeah. it. We, but you know, then everybody figured out <laughs> that hole in his swing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then it drops off to eleven nine BJ Julio Tehran eight point four. I don't agree with that. He just uh, the expectations were too high for him when he came up. He can't help it. Well, if he, was, he was throwing ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Whatever he was throwing. Yeah, that's that's what I, that goes back to the point I was making with the, what the one thing that'll pump you up about a pitching prospect is like with Tommy Hansen and and Julio were throwing ninety nine. But you know it's. That yeah. doesn't last usually. So yeah. it's you get really high expectations, and they turn into a letdown. But Julio's turned in a really good career for himself. Yeah, he learned how to pitch, and um, I, I think he's gotten a lot out of a guy that only throws yeah. what ninety he now. Salad now. Yeah, <laughs> he's throwing poop salad up there and still getting people out. <laughs> Dansby did get four point seven percent of the overrated vote too. So there you go. Uh, if there's a postseason, will the Braves win a postseason round for the first time? And here. Again, if you only base it on vocal minority here on the call-in shows or on Twitter, you'd think, okay, most fans are pessimistic. They're tired of the shit, and the Braves are going to lose again in the division series. But that's not what it came through here. Clearly not the case because more than 88% of the survey respondents said, yes, they believe the Braves will win a playoff series if there is a postseason in 2020. More than 88%, man. Well, everybody's hopeful in spring training. <laughs> oh, spring's <laughs> you know, eternal, doesn't it? If you, if you, if you ask that question, you know, but early I only December. But I asked it a week ago. It was only a week I know. ago. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no games to piss anybody yeah, off yet. That's but true. <laughs> I think you also had a lot more rational fan base answering these questions, it seems like. But, You're right. Um, it, you know, it's it's time. I feel like they're about to, but you never know. And like we said, it's going to be tough to get into the playoffs in the first place because you got to beat the Nationals. And if you don't, you got to win a wild card game. But it just feels like they're due. And and the, the talent's there. They've had a couple goes at it. And then, you know, the team's not going to be satisfied with anything less than at least, for me, at least making it to the World Series or or coming pretty damn close. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, losing in the division series again will not be not suit anybody, and I don't care. And I don't care who the opponent is; it will not be satisfying this year for them. Even if it's the Dodgers win 110 games and they lose to the Dodgers in the division series, don't do any surveys after that. No, (laughs) take a break. The uh, 
Do you think another question? Do you think Acuna will get at least 40 homers and 40 stolen bases in the next full season, 162 game season? I was a little surprised by this result. And by that, I mean, I thought it'd be even higher on the yes side because I think Acuna has a real good chance of going 40 40 in the next full season. But many fans might also be thinking another thing that we've talked about is it could depend a lot on which ball is used by the MLB. And that's, you know, people might say, oh, come on. But that's true because. If they don't use this hitter-friendly Super Bowl that they used during the regular season last year, if they use the one that was used during the postseason in a lot of games, it's going to be tough for him to hit 40 homers. Yeah, I think he could still do it. You I know, do too. He could. But it's not going to be as easy. No. Um, 40's a lot, man. 40's a lot of homers in today's yeah. game. I mean, there's yeah. there's an era there where 50 was – I wasn't putting you in my video game lineup unless you hit at least 35. You know, during, era, the, yeah. during the late 90s. But, yeah. I mean, we kind of recreated that with the ball a little bit the last few years. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, yeah, if, if you're not assuming the ball's going to change or everything stays the same, I would say he's got – you know, 60, 70% chance of doing it in the next three years, regardless. But yeah, if they change the balls back and it's flying and it's not flying, he could, he could be a 25, 30 Homer guy, which is still great. But 40, 40 is a joke. I mean, it's only happened what four times, three times, four times. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would have been the youngest if he'd have done it last year. And he almost got there. He, he would have, he might've got there if he hadn't pulled the growing, you know, and yeah. missed, those, missed most of that uh, last road trip. Uh, it might but be he's going to stop stealing as much as he gets exactly. older. Exactly. It might be Every tough guy to does hit. that. It might be tough to hit 40 homers again without the until later in his career. And I think like Andrew, you know, when you get a little thicker and start hitting yeah. for more power, I think it won't surprise me at all if Acuna has, you know, five 40 homer seasons. It really won't, whatever, no. regardless of the ball, when he not gets when he puts on 20 more pounds. But at that point, he's not going to be stealing 30 ba- uh, 20 bases, much less 40. He's going to be stealing, you know, 20, 15. Yeah, a lot yeah. more reasonable when right? they give it to him. But yeah, that's probably for me the most exciting thing about him is I want to see how he fills out and yeah, what he turns me into. Too. Me too. Um, you know, it's that's why everybody compares him to Trout because Trout's gotten thicker and started running less, but his power's just gone up and and he's so damn powerful. Um, Acuna has pretty similar power uh, as far as being able to put the barrel on the ball, go to all fields and everything. But yeah, I'm real curious just what he turns into when he starts turning into a man because you're looking at a kid that can hit 40 homers. Yeah, yeah. That's got the crazy hands and wrists that you know yeah. like Aaron had, and him and Ozzy yep. both have those wrists and hands that are just, you know, and Ozzy isn't going to get much bigger because he can only put on so much weight on that five foot eight and a half yeah. inch of body. <laughs> he could get wider. He's not, I mean, yeah. he is, and he is so wiry, strong now. He's just nothing but muscle. The guy's shredded. Oh, but he's Acuna, the Acuna could easily put on fifteen pounds of muscle, and you wouldn't even. I mean, easily. No. He, he, that, he's got shoulders. He's got the shoulders, the hips. He's got the body to carry 15 more pounds of muscle. And when he does that, whew, whew. yeah, I'm real curious because, you know, that could be kind of where the balls don't matter as much. Yeah. Uh, if you look at Miguel Cabrera early, he wasn't that big. But when Miguel Cabrera got thick, he just yeah. started dropping incredible, just opposite fe- field, you know, just bombs. And he, he yeah. could just flick the ball out to right center. And Acuna can do that now. You've seen him go down on a knee and hit a ball 450 to right center. But a lot of that, I think, is the balls. But as he fills out, you know, it, it could be a thing where he gets slower, stops stealing bags, and turns into a 50-homer guy. You know, yeah. anything could happen with this guy. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun to watch it play out. Uh, do you think there'll be Major League play- Baseball played this year? More than 80% of the respondents said Something. yes. That there, yeah. there will be a season. I didn't specify length of the season or how to be played. All the games in Arizona, some in Florida and Arizona. There's baseball for sure. And I agree. I would. I think there's going to be baseball of some kind. I, 
it's not becoming any clearer on how they're going to get it done in the last two weeks. No. It's, uh, your logistics are going to be mind-numbing, but I think they're going to try to do it, even if it's the Arizona plan. Look, if you're opening gyms back up, which are the, the dirtiest places you can go to, you know, there's, there's well, that's only in my ridiculous state. Yeah, but if, <laughs> if you're starting to open up gyms, there's going to be baseball. Yeah. Which of the Braves throwback unis uh, should become a regular part of the rotation? I'm glad to see the fans agreed with me because I gave them like five choices. And the two most, po- most popular by far were the 1980s powder blues, the yeah. AKA the Dale Murphy uniform. Dale Murphy's. That's I what I was going to say. And the 72-75 home whites that everybody uh, associates with Hank's 715, which I love. They were, they've they brought those back. You wore that for a couple of alternate days, right? Throwback days? It, yeah, I have. I have like four of those. Yeah, um, those are gorgeous, man. I kept every time we, we we wore a throwback. I kept every jersey I ever wore. Really? That's cool. Yep. If, if Ben would let me have it, you know, sometimes it was like a uh, charity thing, you know, like a uh-huh. camo jersey or something they were giving away. Uh-huh. But Every jersey that that we wore, all those throwbacks, I got them all in the closet. Did you? Were you there for LA when they wore that silk? Uh, the silky. Both teams had the silky, uh, shiny, silky uniforms on the game at Dodger Stadium. I've played in a throwback game at Dodger Stadium. I can't remember which one uh, you're talking about. Those silky. were crazy unis, man. I think they might have been Black Crackers uniforms. Maybe it, I can't remember. I wore. I know I wore the powder blues, and it yeah. feels. I'll tell you what, man. You feel like kind of like a jackass wearing powder blue pants when you're <laughs> when you you know when you have a, a colored top and really? white baseball pants. You feel fine, but when you put on this full, it feels like a clown outfit when you put on a full powder blue uniform. Well, that was the like thing that. in the seventies, eighties, man. I, I love the powder blues, but I they I look guess that, great. You maybe just, that it, really it feels, it feels weird looking down at your legs and seeing these powder blue pants on. So I never thought about that. Maybe that's weird. why the Royals didn't do it. When the Royals brought back the powder blues, they only did it for the tops. And I thought, well, why are they not doing it for the pants too? They, <laughs> you feel like maybe that's why. Yeah. You feel like a clown in those, but I think that, you know, you'd get used to it and it, it looks yeah. great on TV. And once it the really game does. starts, you don't really care anyway. But the first time you pull those pants up, man, you feel kind of weird. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, so between those, those two options drew 68% of the votes. None of the other ones was as high as 15. Uh, and there were some cool other ones too. The Braves have had a history of cool uniforms, man. Yeah. yeah most of their uniforms look really good. Uh, the Hank last- Aaron ones look great with white pants and then just the colored sleeve and everything like that. Those ones are awesome. Those are really sweet. And I like the pinstripes they wore too for a while, for a few years. Those look good. White with, navy, white with navy pinstripes, man. They were good looking. I got to look those up. Oh, yeah. Look at it. Look at There's pictures of Hank with it. There's a picture of Hank with Willie Mays. He's at All-Star Game. He's wearing a white with the navy blue pinstripes and just braves across the front. No tomahawk. And it looks clean, man. Oh, yeah. It, those are those are nice. Sharp. Really yeah, sharp. Those, those would be pretty cool. Those would yeah. be cool to wear. I didn't get you know, to wear those. Uh, then there was another, uh, the, the, before we wrap it up here, the, there was a, a, another question on here and I thought it underscored kind of what I expected. And it's not different than any, than no different than any, most other cities too. And we kind of get, you know, uh, those of us who go to the games and all that for work, we kind of forget that most people don't go to the games. They watch them on TV, whether they don't live here or it's just a pain in the ass or it's expensive to go. But most people, the vast majority of people, don't go to hardly any games, if any games at all. So right. the question was, how many home games do you attend in a year, in a season? And yeah, uh, 86.5% said 
said they attended zero to 10 games per season. And I would imagine that lot, it was a lot closer to zero than 10. That was me growing up. Yeah, you know, my too. once a year, I got to come up to Seattle and, uh, you know, get to go to the kingdom and it was the coolest thing ever, but it just, yeah. I was five hours away. My family didn't have a ton of money to, to even as cheap as it was back then, you know, four kids taking them to a game and, um, just being that far away, you forget that there's so many fans in, in Braves country that are hours and hours away where yeah. it's just not logical to, to make it to the stadium, but they're watching every game. Um, that's how I was growing up with Seattle. So I, it makes perfect sense to me. And that was how I grew up in North Carolina and there was no team in DC, obviously at the time. And Atlanta was the only team in the South. Yeah. And we came on vacation. I remember one year we went, family would pack, you know, three kids in the back of the car, mom and dad smoking in the front seat. We drove down to, uh, <laughs> we'd drive down to Florida or one year we went down to Six Flags. It hadn't been open long at all in Atlanta. We went to Six Flags over Georgia and we went to a Braves game and I saw Hank Aaron play as a kid, man. So, man, but you'll never yeah. forget that. Yeah. You know, I was really little, but it was. That was back when they had ashtrays in the, in the, in the cars, huh? Like oh. in the. Right oh, next yeah. to the window control. <laughs> the most, the best we could do was get mom and dad to crack the window. Uh, you know, my, dad, like it's my eyes are burning back here. Boy, I don't want to let the air conditioning out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Tough it out, boy. You get a little buzz. <laughs> oh, anyway, hey, that's seven fifty-five is real, and we're gonna be back next Tuesday. Uh, let's see if we'll, we can uh, come up with a guest. But this was cool talking about what the fans thought on the survey and all that. So. Uh, Hopefully we'll have some developments between now and Tuesday regarding when there might be a season, but Hey, everybody stay patient. That's what we're trying to do and stay safe. Don't get carried away. Even if uh, they tell you, you can start to go to the gym and all that. Keep your, keep your sanity and let's we've come this far. Let's yeah. not waste it. Well, all this, this uh, isolation that we've done so far, you know, yep. let's not blow it. I don't want to go through this again, man. No. That'd be terrible. No chance. Then there's no baseball for sure. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, 75 right. is real. We're out of here. See you.